Wayfinders, welcome out to another episode of Navigating the Slopes, your weekly HR podcast where we are diving in and navigating the employee and candidate experience, the candidate journey. Um, welcome into our, our very first episode. Episode one last week was kind of our pilot episode, just an overview of, of what the podcast will be about. And I know that last week I talked a lot about resumes and I kind of talked a lot about things that happen before you get that job or before you um, are, are kind of targeting what you're going to do next in your career. And while this podcast will will definitely touch on that a lot, um, in fact, today's episode is about our resumes and things that we can do to make the resumes a little bit better. And that's definitely an aspect of the candidate experience and the employee experience that I want to touch on. But as I've kind of thought about that over the last couple of weeks, I've kind of been able to identify two different parts of the um, kind of professional journey that candidates and employees take. And it's kind of just split up into the, those two very simple parts. One of them is your candidate journey. And then as you transition into an employee, that's an entirely different journey and a different um, path that you'll kind of go on. And so that's those are kind of the two paths that, that this podcast will go down. And I know there's a lot of different aspects within each of those things that, that will happen. And so just kind of wanted to, to touch on that a little bit before we jumped into today's episode. I know that we'll be talking a lot today about the resume and the things that we do before we um, accept that next job offer. Uh, but going forward in the future throughout this podcast, I'm, I'm hopeful to kind of talk about things that happen once we are an employee, once you've accepted that job offer, once you've become an employee for your next great uh, company and things that happen, whether you're directly on an HR team or, or not, you know, your job is definitely impacted by some human resources aspect along the way. And so whether it's whether it's kind of going through a couple rounds of interviews or maybe it's finding out ways that you can stay happier and more engaged in your current company or maybe something, you know, as far as HR specific goes, finding out what HR departments do around the area to continue developing their their culture and facilitating a great place to work. So those are a lot of the things that I hope to touch on and, and that we can kind of learn together. But just wanted to give an update on that and, and let everyone know that, that this podcast is definitely talking about those two paths. Uh, more so today, we're focusing on the resume. As I mentioned last week, we're talking about everything that your resume can uh, can do for you and i know that i mentioned last week that it's it's the most financially important document that you own and i'll dive into that why i think that and, and where i've kind of learned that from and why i think that is absolutely true uh, but on top of that we'll be talking about the format of your resume the content that should be on your resume the flow of your resume because yeah believe it or not if your resume doesn't flow and make sense, a, a recruiter or a talent acquisition member, HR department, they're not going to spend a lot of time looking at it if it doesn't make sense to them. And as we'll kind of find out, the more we, the more we talk in this podcast, you really don't have that much time to make a good first impression. And and as kind of the old saying goes, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So we'll talk about those three things: the formatting, the content, and the flow, and, and why they're extremely important. And then also we'll just kind of get into a couple of the other uh, more technical aspects like rewording uh, your job titles or rewording responsibilities that you had at some companies. Obviously, you want to make sure that we're being accurate and not being deceitful. But there are definitely a couple of ways that you can reword some of your job opportunities that you had to make it sound like you're a little bit more marketable to the companies that you're applying for. Um, a couple other things that we'll talk about is, is putting your social media, putting other links to uh, different pages on there and, and what to do, what not to do. And lastly, what, what employers are looking for. Uh, you know, you want to make sure that you're catering your resume to each individual company that you're talking to. 
but I'll be able to hopefully provide some insight to what companies are looking for and what you should keep in mind as you apply for different organizations. And then also touching on things that, that are obvious that you shouldn't put on a resume and hopefully figuring out what the best way to approach some of your uh, unique certifications or awards or rewards that you've received and, and what things are important to put on a resume and what things can wait until the interview to be discussed. So we'll go ahead and just kind of dive in. Um, I appreciate everyone for listening last week and hopefully this this episode about our resumes will kind of resonate with someone and that we'll be able to kind of make a difference. But let's just go ahead and jump in. All right, everybody. So just kind of diving in uh, really to why the resume is the most financially important document that you own. And this this um, idea, I guess, started a couple years ago when I was in my final semester at Utah Valley University. And uh, at the last semester, I took a grad school prep class. And, and really, the class had two or three kind of foundational principles. One was being uh, prepare youth to find a grad school and, and pass a grad school exam so you can get into grad school. Uh, another one was kind of what potential employers are looking for and hopefully you're kind of figuring out what career path you're taking. And the last thing was helping college graduates or soon to be college graduates uh, redefine their resume to really make sure that it looks good. And something that the professor said to us on the very first day of class was that your resume is the most financially important document that you will create in your lifetime. And it kind of struck me as odd because you don't pay anything for a resume. There's no monetary value to a resume. But without a resume, you're really not setting yourself up for any sort of career or professional success. And so my resume before that class was, uh, it was in blue font. There was a lot of uh, just unorganized parts to the resume. It didn't make sense. I had a lot of things that shouldn't have been on a resume. I had like where I went to high school from what years. Um, I had two pages on a resume, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But, it, you know, your resume really should be one page and, and have everything that an employer needs to know about you on that one page. Um, I was able to get an internship during that final semester where it was actually a talent acquisition kind of recruiting an HR internship. So I had a lot of opportunity for about four or five months to screen a lot of candidates, look through a lot of resumes. And through that class and through that experience as an intern, I, my resume was able to kind of change throughout that time to what it is today, in which I feel is a very great resume. I've been able to get two very good jobs, I think, because of that resume, because of the way that it looks, because of the way that I've been able to kind of organize and, and be able to flow the content that's on the resume. Um, and it's not just about having a resume, it's about having a good resume, right? Anyone can have a resume, but if it's not a good resume, if it doesn't catch someone's attention, then you're not really getting anywhere with your resume. And I think every great resume starts with a good format. So a couple of the, the obvious things on the formatting is that your name should be the biggest text on the page. Um, you know, you don't want someone to forget who you are. And I think that's something that should stand out at very first. You want to make a good first impression. So you should have your name in the biggest font that it can. You don't want it to be overbearing. So not size like 48, no 72 font, but something reasonable, 24, 36, that, that has your name on there. You know, I'm a big fan of centering it on the page, but I've seen great resumes that has it on, on kind of the left or right-hand side along with their personal information. Um, so whatever is 
is easier for you, whatever looks better to your eye, go ahead and do that. But again, you should just make sure that your name is the biggest thing on the page and you don't have to ripple that into your personal information. You want your personal information and you don't need to put your full street address um, or anything like that. But you just want to, if, if you're from Lehigh, Utah, put Lehigh and then UT as an abbreviation. Uh, or maybe you just put Lehigh and then the zip code. Uh, I think your your personal information as far as like your, your full street address or any other, um, anything like that is definitely way too much space on the page. And you'll just lose sight of what's truly important and what the HR representative is drawing their attention to as they're looking through your resume. So that's that's the first thing with formatting. Secondly is kind of the career objective or your professional summary. This is definitely a hot topic and something that I've I've talked to quite a few people about. Um, it's not always necessary. At least that's what you know. Some of the people I'm talking to uh, are saying, uh, and as someone who goes through a lot of resumes every single day, every single week, uh, you know, I always do my best to read through those. Um, so you want to make sure that if you are putting like a professional summary or a career objective or or an objective that you have going into that job application or a job interview, you want to make sure that it's relevant to the company you're applying to or the positions you're seeking. For example, on my resume, I have as, as kind of a career objective and a professional summary is I'm an HR focused individual who's seeking opportunities for career advancement to utilize interpersonal ability and uh, and work on a team. And so if you if you are pursuing something along those lines, or maybe you're an accountant and you're pursuing a financial type role, you wanna make sure that your professional summary highlights the skills that you have and the skills that you hope to obtain or kind of get better at in this particular job. And you may have gathered this by now, but you, you may be creating two or three different resumes if you're not applying for similar type jobs. Uh, for example, Right now in the organization that I'm at, we're hiring for um, sales reps. And so typically most sales focused individuals have a sales resume and maybe they're sending it out to two or three different companies. And so you wanna make sure that your professional summary is, is in line with the type of jobs that you're looking at. But if it's not in line with every single job, make sure that you're open to creating a couple of different resumes. That's totally fine. All right, as we move down the page, you've got your name on there, you have your personal information, and you've created your professional summary. Next, we want to list a couple of skills for that specific job. Again, you want to make sure that your skills are relevant and are applicable for the job that you're applying for. For example, if you're applying for a management type role where you're going to be supervising employees, you want to try and tell as much of a story as you can with your skills in regards to how you handle conflict or how you handle performance issues or what your management style has been. You don't have a lot of room on the skills and you don't need to spend a lot of time talking about that because you can get into that in your kind of your work history or your professional experience section, but highlight a couple of skills that the employer is going to gravitate towards that will make them continue reading through your resume and get you to the next stage of, of that process. And as you move through your skills, then you'll put your experience. Um, if you're pursuing an education, list your education before your work history. Again, if, you, if you're not pursuing an education or you've been out of an educational type um, 
a role for, for quite some time, maybe three or four years, you want to put your relevant work history before that. And a good reason for that is just to make sure that the company is aware that you, while you are seeking full-time or part-time employment, you still are pursuing this education opportunity um, and vice versa. Maybe you've graduated four or five years ago, you're no longer really on that educational path. And so you're more focused towards your career and, and what you can offer to an organization. Um, as you continue to do that, make sure that after your experience or after your education, you add some certifications, awards, and or any kind of relevant achievements for that specific role. Again, keeping in mind with the one page, I know it's extremely difficult, especially if, if you're somebody who has worked or been in kind of the working um, atmosphere for 12, 15, 20 years. You want to list as many jobs as, as you can, especially the ones that are relevant to that position. Um, I know it's difficult to do one page. It, it can be done. I try and just keep myself to a rule of, of the last three jobs that you've had. Some tips that you can do to kind of get it to one page, use smaller font and really think about what you're putting on there. Um, my resume and what I kind of work on with, with some of the other resumes that, I, um, that I've edited for family members or close friends is using font size like nine or 10. Uh, you know, typically most HR teams are accessing these resumes on on a device on a computer uh, so they can zoom in um, the font is maybe a little bit bigger on their screen uh, my resume is font size 9 and it looks great on a, on a Windows on a computer so I would just recommend doing that um, another thing you can do is like I mentioned before limit your experience to the last three jobs you've had and if you do have any education on there it should be relevant uh, don't list any high school experience um, and just make sure that you're listing the most relevant and applicable experience that you have for your resume. Um, and don't be afraid to stand out, but don't be overwhelming. You know, I've seen resumes that have a different font for the job title, a different font for the responsibilities, different font color for both of those. I've seen resumes that have pictures of things that have nothing to do with the job that you're applying for. And I think it goes back to what I was mentioning at the beginning of the episode that you really only have about 15 to 20 seconds to make a first impression and you don't get a second chance to make that first impression. If, if an HR representative sees your resume and sees something that they don't like or that maybe speaks in an unprofessional way, they may bypass you for that job that you're looking for. So while I don't want to say limit your creativity and, and don't be yourself on your resume because I think that's definitely something that you should do and that you should try and portray who you are as an individual as best you can on this piece of paper, but you want to make sure that you're exhibiting your best professional self and, and limiting those types of things that would make a recruiter or a talent acquisition partner bypass you for somebody else. Really the best way to kind of do that is with the content that you're putting on your resume. You know, formatting and content kind of go hand in hand with one another. Um, the formatting of your resume can help you fill it with the right content, but good content will make sense with the right formatting, right? Simple enough, and I think that kind of makes sense. So starting from top to bottom, and, and we may repeat a couple things from the previous topic, but your professional summary should be about your skills and what you can bring to the potential employer. For example, the professional summary on, on my resume says a dedicated professional seeking a challenging human resources position that will allow the use and growth of interpersonal abilities, collaboration, and occupational mobility. So in that kind of short and brief sentence, it provides context to the employer that uh, I'm a dedicated employee seeking a very specific industry type role 
that'll allow the allow me to collaborate with team members but also interact with those people but and i have the potential to advance within the organization um, again you want to make sure that your your professional summary along with this next topic your skills are rel relevant and applicable to the job um, we mentioned this before don't use one or two word skills unless it's like software or maybe a well-known item uh, maybe for example you have a lot of great experience with quickbooks online or or salesforce or something along those lines so i think most hr departments understand what that is maybe try and paint a picture for the employer that you have you know excellent customer service ability dealing with escalated situations um, this is important for two reasons and it really helps you out later on um, you know the first reason is showing that you've handled similar situations um, to what the employer would go through or what someone in that similar type of role would go through and secondly it will spark a question that should be fairly easy to answer for you later on if you're mentioning in your skills that you've um, you know successfully or, or you're comfortable handling a large um, a large workload within like Salesforce or, or something like that the employer will ask you about that later which will allow you to kind of again check the box for them that you are the right candidate for this job um, but again it's a very sensitive topic you don't want to overdo it with the skills everybody is talented everyone applying for the job is definitely talented in their own right and as we move into the content for your education and work history the biggest thing that I find with candidates and, and what could be improved is putting it in chronological order you want to begin with the most recent and use past tense for previous roles or education. For example, the, the position that you're in right now at work or your previous position should be at the top of the list or the school or the educational kind of atmosphere that you're in right now. So if you're if you're pursuing a master's degree at, at Utah State and you're on track to graduate next August, put that above your undergrad. Right. You want to make sure that the employer sees what you're doing right now, what's current in your life. Um, and then for past education or past employment opportunities, you want to use past tense. During my internship, we had the opportunity to implement a, a uniform program. Um, and since I'm no longer with the organization on my resume, it says researched and implemented uniform program that saved company X amount of dollars. And, and the, the X amount of dollars is definitely another um, tip and trick that we can get into a little bit later. Uh, but you can see that I've used past tense to describe that I was responsible for doing that, but I'm not currently doing that. There's a couple of rules to this is one, you wanna just make sure that you have excellent grammar and that you understand the writing and how that flows on there. Uh, but it just kind of portrays to the employer that it's no longer a current thing that you're doing, but you did add some value to the organization at that time. Um, other examples that you can use is, is kind of number of clients maybe that you're working with or the number of parts that you're responsible for ordering or putting together. Um, if you saved any sort of money for, like I mentioned before, uh, the uniform program that I actually spent about a month and a half researching and implementing meeting with different vendors, it actually saved the company $14,000 annually that type of thing sticks out to a recruiter, sticks out to a talent acquisition representative. Um, not only is it the, a very large number, but numbers kind of stand out amongst a lot of letters, right? So if you have any sort of opportunity to where you can put down a number or be a little bit more precise as to what your responsibilities truly were, um, that's gonna give the employer an idea how much you can handle coming into their company, but also, again, shows that you have made a difference in the previous companies that you were at. 
So as we move into the content after your education and work history, talking about certifications and awards, there's some great things to put on there. If you're, you know, if you've received like a Purple Heart or maybe an Eagle Scout, maybe you're CPR certified, just make sure that it's relevant and applicable to the job. You don't want to include that you won like a chess tournament in middle school, right? Or that you won the slow pitch softball tournament last summer. Uh, while those are great things to have um, on your your skill set, um, you can learn some valuable things throughout those experiences. An employer really doesn't want to see that because what value is that really adding to them? Um, one rule that I keep in mind with resumes is that if it doesn't make sense for the job, it shouldn't be on the paper. I think an interview is a great place to talk about those things, especially so you can give the employer an idea of who you are, what type of person you are outside of the office. But your resume really is your first impression. And so you want to make sure that your first impression is getting you into the doors, into the seat of the decision maker, and then talk a little bit more about those things. Because every employer, they don't want to hire a robot, right? You want to make sure that you're relatable you want to make sure that you're doing all the right things that you have a life outside of work but your resume really is getting you in the door in the seat and in front of the decision maker Um, and then highlight the date that you received and the steps that you took to get those rewards if it is applicable so if you're applying for like a nursing job and you're cpr certified put down when you received that uh, the steps that you took to get there maybe you had to go through x number of hours of training or, or this or do that So those are all great things to highlight on that when it comes to the content that should be on your resume. And I think a lot of that goes into how the resume can be kind of transitioned or the the natural flow of your resume. Um, Flow really is what brings a resume together. The way that your formatting and content are put together helps the resume make sense. This goes back again to the chronological order, having your your professional summary, your skills, your work history or education, vice versa, uh, right? You don't want to have your education be all the way at the top and then have your relevant skills near the bottom uh, because quite frankly, you don't have that much time. And if an, if, a, if an employer, if a talent acquisition representative is reading through your resume and they see your education and it takes them till the bottom half of the page to get to your relevant experience, you've kind of lost their interest and they may not spend a lot of time doing that. Um, and so we kind of talked about chronological order. That's a huge part of it. Um, if you're currently working, if you're currently in school, that job or that educational opportunity should be the very first thing in that specific section. Um, and don't get carried away with exact dates, right? So on my resume, for example, when I graduated from UVU, it was August, 2012 to May of 2018. So don't worry if it's August 23rd or if it's May 4th. Right, you want to just make sure that that your dates are as accurate as possible, but you don't want to take up too much space. Um, the next thing is is the flow of your education. If you've graduated from school, and I know that we talked about this earlier, but if you've graduated from from school, whether it's high school or college or or a graduate program, and it's been two or three years, put that after your work history. You want to make sure that your experience is relevant and a. Uh, you know, a, a diploma or a degree from three or four years ago is very important for the job, but it's not as relevant as the job that you're in right now. And make sure that you're keeping the same formatting for the entire page. Don't use different font on your name than different font in your skills and so on. And I know that we kind of mentioned that earlier, but it's very important to make sure that every font uh, is the same. And I'm not saying to, to not bold things or maybe italicize certain parts of it. I think that's important because it can draw attention to very specific things if you want an employer to recognize that 
the the job title of a specific company is bolded and the day of, of employment is in italics, that's great. But just make sure that if it's Times New Roman in bold, it's Times New Roman in italics as well. Um, and then keep the relevant information easy to find. Something that I really like, something that I have on my own resume is that my work history, my experience, or my education, my skills, they all have kind of little headers with, with a bolded line underneath them. So that way, if an employer is going through and they want to jump to my skills, they don't have to search the whole resume for that. They just look for skills and then they're able to find my skills. Same for my work history, same for my uh, education or, or whatever the case may be. So make sure that you have some way for an employer to easily find what they need if they're passing your resume along to a hiring manager and they want to say, look at this individual's work history. You don't want to have that person searching for you know five, 10 seconds to find that. It'd be easy if it's bolded, if it's clearly defined and they can find it pretty quick. Um, and then the next thing kind of getting into the flow is rewording your roles. Now this, this subject can be kind of tricky to navigate because first and foremost, you don't want to lie. Simple as that, you know, it's definitely um, not something you want to do. I recently read an article on LinkedIn that there was a woman in Australia who lied on her resume. She pretended to be all of her references. And so uh, when the company did a reference check, of course, she gave herself glowing reviews and, and now actually she's uh, facing a prison sentence. So uh, don't lie on your resume. Don't lie as far as what your job responsibilities were, or your job titles. But I think there's definitely an aspect of and an opportunity really to kind of um, show what type of person or what type of employee you were if you can reword it a little bit differently. Uh, for example, my role right now in our HR department is kind of a mix between an HR generalist and a recruiter. Um, a better way to put that is a talent acquisition specialist. It's not that I do anything differently than a recruiter would do, but right, it sounds a little bit more professional, it sounds a little bit more robust, uh, sounds like I have more responsibility and the, the term acquisition, I think, just sounds rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Uh, for example, in our organization, and I've seen through a lot of other companies as well, their sales representatives or sales department are often called account executives. Uh, we also have another position in our company called an appointment setter. Um, sometimes these are called uh, you know customer service rep. We call them business development strategist or business development representative. I think it just gives someone a little bit more of, of just kind of put some respect on their position, uh, put some respect on their name, right? Uh, another great example of this is my father-in-law. About a year, year and a half ago, he was looking for work. Um, he had owned his own dental lab in the past, and on his resume, he had put uh, kind of general manager his responsibilities obviously were a lot more than in just kind of managing the office. He was definitely the founder. He was the owner, the president. And so we've changed his job title from general manager to president and founder, which definitely wasn't um, stretching the truth, but just giving more of an idea into what his responsibilities truly were. Later on in his career, he had the opportunity to um, to kind of co-own another dental lab with a partner of his, and his title was, again, kind of director of operations. Um, so we've changed it to what it actually was, which was you know, director of operations slash partner. Again, we didn't change it so much in the way that it was actually changing his job title, but when another potential employer is looking that he was director of operations and a partner in the organization, not only does it 
give the idea and the impression that he was able to handle a lot of the managerial and responsibility that comes with that, but also that this is someone who's motivated, someone who understands what it takes to kind of operate a business and, and can handle those aspects of it as well. Um, now, I know that the job title isn't always important um, and doesn't always equate to higher pay, but I think it definitely looks better on a resume. If you can go from an account executive to a senior account executive, I think it gives the impression that you can handle responsibility and that you were able to succeed in that lower or lesser experience role and promote yourself or get promoted in the organization. Um, for example, if you're going from account executive to sales manager, you had to have been doing something right enough to get promoted. And employers definitely see that and they definitely want to see that someone they're bringing into the organization can handle what the role would require. Uh, on the flip side of that, however, your roles can kind of hurt you as well if you're not thinking ahead when you do accept a position. Uh, something that the HR manager told me in my internship that has stuck with me and that will probably stay with me for the rest of my career is that you always want to make sure that there's upward mobility in your role. Um, I had a good friend who actually started uh, with another company. It was kind of a startup. They didn't have any HR or talent acquisition kind of individuals. They didn't really have an HR department. And so he was originally hired as as a recruiter, but since they didn't have anyone else in that department, he actually was able to get his job title changed to director of talent acquisition, which is great for him. Um, unfortunately, now he's looking for work. And so having that director type role kind of tied to you, it can scare some companies away because they would assume that you're kind of coming in with expectations about responsibility, expectations about compensation. And so you want to make sure that your job titles and that your responsibilities definitely align. If you can get your job title changed to something that just identifies what you do a little bit more specifically, great. Uh, but again, job title isn't always important um, and, and it doesn't always equate to higher pay. So just be conscious of that uh, and when you're, when you're kind of looking for that and, and when you're rewarding your roles, uh, just make sure that you're being honest, make sure you're being relevant to what's going on. Uh, and the next thing we'll kind of talk about is, is putting links and social media on your resume. Um, you know, I'm a big advocate for where you can on your resume, put your LinkedIn profile. Uh, I would, I would recommend at the top next to your address, next to your email address, if you have it. Um, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, now is a very good time to make one. You can thank me later. I would definitely do that. It's a great opportunity to network. Um, I've had a lot of excellent experiences through LinkedIn. Um, and so I would recommend that anyone get a LinkedIn if you're someone who's pursuing a professional career, uh, I would definitely do that. If you have a personal website, YouTube channel, or any other kind of digital source that would highlight who you are as a candidate, I would do that. Uh, really, we're living in kind of that digital world, and the digital world is really about all about convenience. So if you can provide someone with your website with a link to your LinkedIn profile, rather than them trying to search you up themselves, it makes it easier for them. And I think it would kind of allow the the employer to see that you have kind of your resume figured out and you are expecting someone to make these choices and you've already eliminated that kind of middle ground for them. Uh, one thing I would advise, advise is to not include the entire URL on there. Create a hyperlink and attach it to a word such as like LinkedIn or website or here or whatever the, the word you choose. Um, something creative that explains what it is and what the employer would be going to. Um, another kind of sensitive subject is social media. 
just make sure that's professional. Uh, I would be wary about putting your Facebook on there just because, again, you never know what employers are going through and you don't know what <laughs> what crazy high school pictures or things that you posted back then, right? I've I've seen some memories come up on my feed and, and uh, I, I've tried to <laughs> remove those as fast as I can. Not, not to that it wasn't um, you know, anything negative or anything that I wouldn't want people to see, but I think you want to just make sure that your social media is, is as professional as possible. I think some great things to put on there, are like your Twitter or your LinkedIn profile, or again, like a YouTube channel or something like that. But I would definitely shy away from Facebook and, and maybe Instagram as well. And just make sure that you're going through your social media before you share it, before you're allowing other people to kind of have access to that. Uh, because you never know what the employer is looking for. And the two questions that I would advise every candidate to ask, and these are things that I ask myself before I apply for a job and definitely before I go into an interview, are can you compliment their team? You know, Do your skills and experience align with their job description? Are you overqualified or are you underqualified? Um, this definitely comes up for sure in the screening process, right? If your titles aren't aligned with theirs, you may get passed by. If, you're, if your skills are not exactly what they're kind of looking for, you may do, need to explain it a little bit more to them. Are you applying for jobs in a similar industry? Do you have minimal gaps in employment? These are a lot of things that candidates tend not to think a lot about, but you wanna make sure that if you do have those things on your resume, you have an answer for that because you can almost guarantee that those questions will come up. Um, the, the employment gap is really kind of the number one pain point for me, something that I will ask every single candidate um, every single time that I interview somebody. I wanna know what's going on. If, if they're in a job for six months, why do they leave? If they've had three jobs in 12 months, what's going on? Because as an employer, you're taking on, you're really taking a risk every time you hire somebody. Uh, and it's kind of negative to say risk, but you wanna make sure that everyone you're bringing into the company is going to be a positive addition to the team. Um, and the last couple questions is, did you catch their eye and did you make a difference at your last company? If you can make a difference at every company you've been at, then you're going to be able to make a difference at this next company you're at for sure. Um, a couple things not to put on your resume. Again, we kind of talked about the negative social media. Um, be careful not to put any irrelevant accolades and experience. Again, if you're applying for like an engineering job or a nursing job, don't include the fast food job that you had 12 years ago, right? It's not relevant, it's not applicable. Um, maybe you're the chess champ, you ran a bunch of marathons, um, you have 500 Instagram followers, whatever the case is, if it's not relevant or applicable for the job, maybe it is, maybe you're applying for a social media specialist and so it is relevant to have your Instagram followers or things that you've done to increase your following. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of these things on a resume and if it's not applicable for the job, it's not going to help you get into the interview seat, right? Um, another thing I wouldn't put on a resume are references. Something I would meant, I would advise putting on there is references are available upon request. Um, references are kind of becoming a little bit outdated. But the one thing that I do like about not putting the resume on there is you have to allow the employer to make that decision. If they want to check your resumes, or sorry, your references, they, uh, they're they probably interested in you, right? They want to find out who you are, who you've been in the past at other companies. And so if they're asking for references, they want to know more about you, and they're hopefully interested in continuing the interview process. Um, so I would just advise giving as little information as references as possible because you want to kind of bait the employer into calling you back. 
Um, another gray area are, are pictures. I've seen some resume that have pictures which are fine, um, but I think it just opens the doors for employers to not call you based off of things that are outside of your control, right? If you're if you're very qualified, but you, your picture isn't great, you don't wanna put that on there. You wanna give yourself every opportunity you can to get that interview. Um, so the last couple of things that we'll kind of talk about here, and these are just nine tips that I've gathered from from LinkedIn and a couple other sources, but these are really kind of targeting talent acquisition teams, HR departments. So 92% um, of HR teams look at social media pages, primarily LinkedIn. Um, so we talked about it before, make sure it's professional, make sure it's sharp and it aligns with who you are. Uh, another tip is the average job opening receive hundreds of applications. So really just make sure yours stands out. And the way that that starts is with a good, thought out, succinct resume. And hopefully some of these tips that we've talked about today can help you get to where your resume stands out and that you're getting more calls, you're getting more feedback from job applications and job interviews. Um, the next thing is using action verbs. And we've talked about this already before using things like created, implemented, researched, facilitated, right? You wanna make sure that you're portraying a story to the employer that shows what type of difference you've had at a company, but also what type of person, what caliber of employee you could be coming into their company. The next thing is use numbers. What did you do to kind of facilitate the change, right? For example, when I implemented that, the uniform program, it saved the company $14,000 annually, right? Or at my company that I'm at now, I have created and I've sent out new hire surveys and also 60-day check-in surveys. The data definitely isn't available yet because we're a newer organization, but I'm hopeful by the end of next year, I'll be able to say that I've increased employee engagement by this much. Um, so those are definitely hard facts, hard data that you want to have on your resume. Um, recruiters typically spend less than one minute looking at your resume. If it doesn't catch their attention, you've kind of missed your window to make that first impression. The next thing is spelling and grammar. Make sure that your spelling, make sure that your grammar is correct. Make sure everything on your resume makes sense to someone who's reading it. Um, lastly is referrals. LinkedIn's a great way to do this. The job that I'm at now, I was fortunate to know somebody who actually knew the president of the company. So I actually reached out to him after my interview and and just if he could uh, you know, put in a good word for me, if he could just say something to the president of the company about uh, me coming in for an interview or whatever the case may be. Use your network to your advantage and leverage your resources that, that you know will be helpful and advantageous in getting you another interview. Um, and then again, just asking yourself those two questions. Will you compliment the team? And then can you be put in front of a buyer? You wanna make sure that you can be put in front of the decision makers and that you're making a positive difference. The last thing that I would leave with with everyone before you go, and this is this is something that my wife gives me such a hard time for, uh, is that you don't have to be looking for a job to edit your resume. Keep that in mind. I edit my resume probably once every two or three months because your job description changes, your job responsibilities can change. You know, when I first started uh, where I'm at now, I wasn't involved with onboarding or new hire orientation or employee engagement, and now. Um, since I've kind of transitioned, I actually am the primary person responsible for all new hire orientation, all new hire onboarding, and actually kind of sending out those uh, new hire surveys, the 30, 60, and 90 day check-ins. I've, I've been able to create that for the organization, and that's something that I'm responsible for that wasn't on my initial resume or, or my you know, responsibilities when I first started. So keep in mind that you can edit your resume and you should be editing your resume at least every couple months to kind of make sure that it's in line with what 
you know, what kind of opportunity you're seeking in the future and, and where you hope to go. So anyway, that's it for today's show. I appreciate everyone tuning in. I know that's a longer episode, uh, but there's definitely a lot to get through. And I think that's why the resume is the most financially important document that you can create. So stay tuned next week. We'll be talking about the phone screen, kind of that first stage of the interview process and the things that you can do to prepare Uh, kind of knock that call out of the park and and get in the seat of the organization. So uh, follow us on social media at Slopes HR Pod on Instagram, and we'll see you soon.